the show and tell now, shall we? What is good, beautiful people of the world? I am a currently beefing with Complex Creator K because I just learned today on their Twitter that they have a segment called Show and Tell. And yeah, that's kind of bugging me a little bit, maybe a little more than it should, but I don't know, it's bugging me regardless. And welcome to episode 33 of the Show and Tell podcast, a bi-monthly show on every first and third Tuesday of each month where a special guest and I share stories, music, and art that you should know about because sharing is caring. If you are listening for the first time, welcome. How are you? If you've listened before, welcome back. And also, same question, how are you? I hope you are all doing well, staying positive, staying up, getting shit done. Am I right? Yeah. In this episode, I am joined by multidisciplinary creator and adjunct professor Andre Doughty, a person who likes to explore many ways to express himself and build community within the arts. In part one of the episode, Andre talks about how he approaches obstacles that could throw him off his game, but don't because he has the methods to overcome them. We discuss the level of importance of building a personal brand and the balance between the public and private images of oneself. We ask ourselves, to school or not to school? And I'm not talking about the basketball court because the answer to that question in that regard is always to school. Get buckets. But we talk about higher education and Andre shares his unique perspective on the matter as an adjunct professor. Lastly, we also chat about what we can do as consumers of music and art to support the black community and black culture. In part two, Andre brings not one, but two items to show and tell. One which has been a sort of confidant in his life as a black man thus far, and the other a movie that offers a version of black life that is in many ways more accurate than what we often see on TV. With that said, it's time for Show and Tell. Welcome to episode 33 of the Show and Tell podcast. I am your host, Creator K, and joining me on the show is videographer, radio host, and DJ, adjunct professor, overall creative dude. It's Andre Dowdy. What up? Hello. Hi. Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I, I'm good. I uh, I uh, went with the It's a Perfect Day tune to sing, like your, to sing your name. How do you feel about that? I'm all about it. So thank you for that. I've been blessed with a beautiful tune on this wonderful day. Yeah, because it's a perfect day when Andre Dowdy's on the Show and Tell podcast. That's all I got to say about that. So welcome to the show. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, for the listeners who don't know who you are and what you do, even though I kind of just said what you do, would you like to explain to them who you are and what you do? I'm glad you said it because I have a terrible time um, explaining what I do to people. Not that it's like crazy complex or in depth. It's just like I hate talking about myself. Right. So usually when I talk to people, I'm like, yeah, I just do stuff. And that stuff happens to manifest itself in the various things you described. So yes, uh, I do know my way around a camera and have some some general film set knowledge. So there's that. Um, I have been working on a bunch of audio based uh, projects. So I do those as well. Um, I do work at a, a institution. I work at the New York Institute of Technology as an adjunct professor, um, teaching uh, a video production class and a editing class. And I. Yeah, yeah, I have no doubt radio too with myself and my sister. So, and I, I just, I just do a bunch of stuff. So, that's that's it. That's a yeah, short. Yeah, that's what's up. I, I imagine because I fall into a similar boat where I do a lot of different things as well. And I can imagine when I tell people I, I just do a lot of stuff, they walk away extremely frustrated that they didn't get <laughs> any sort of closure to that question yeah. they asked. Yep, yep, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So you do a lot of things. Are you? Well, actually, let's start here. What are you doing right now? You mentioned No Doubt Radio, but what what are some of the things that you've got going on right now? 
I think what I'm prioritizing at this moment in time is uh, Twitch streaming, considering the the nature of things as they are right now. Everybody's indoors. Honestly, you know, I play games and I'm kind of sociable. So what better way than well, what better way to a monetize and b build community um, than to play games on the internet and have people watch you? So um, I've been slowly but surely like getting to a point where like my content is uh, enjoyable and I'm still building and there are people who are helping me out and and gracious enough to spend time with me to make that happen. So that's what I have been prioritizing at the moment. And in in working in the Twitch sphere, uh, I have done a couple of, of radio sets too. So um, I need to get back to doing that, but um, Twitch has, has, has become a priority at this moment in time. Yeah, that's dope. Because I was going to ask if, you know, the pandemic becoming a thing has changed your approach. How have you kind of approached things from a mental standpoint because of this specific obstacle, or you can even answer it more broadly when obstacles are kind of thrown your way? Well, in regards to the pandemic, um, you know, like, I guess it's easy for me because I'm generally like a very low maintenance kind of guy. So like when, when obstacles get thrown my way, um, I guess I can respond to them uh, in maybe like one of three ways. Either like you figure out what it is and, and tackle it. And I guess like that's what I've been able to do in the pandemic. Granted, mm-hmm. me being able to tackle it uh, just means like I have the financial means to tackle it and do it in a way that is quote unquote professional or has some sort of sheen to it. Because, you know, anytime I get into a video call, everyone's like, whoa, you got this cool setup. And like, I financially had the ability to go out and get these things. So like tackling the problem head on, at least the way I've been able to tackle it is to, you know, buy all the equipment necessary and get myself tooled up. So that's one way in which I would, you know, tackle something like this, uh, this uh, issue. Another way in which I would, I would, address it is to kind of go with the go with the flow and just like use what I can and use that to the best of my ability and you know upgrade when the time comes um and a lot of my students working at at, at a school a lot of my students especially for an editing class we're editing so based on hardware and what you have physically didn't have the means to to actually do the work for the class Mm, so um we had to figure out a shift and see what was was feasible for them. Um, but we figured it out. And then I guess the third way to respond is to kind of just tap out and do something else. Uh, and in regards to like the work for the school, like that's not an option, but one of the many ways in which people have responded to this pandemic is just doing other things, you know, staying off the internet, et cetera, and so forth. So like, um, you know, in a, in a, in a world where like physical contact is not a thing, um, you know, going back to reading or, or, or picking up a hobby is one of the ways in which one could do that. And I've kind of developed, a, you know, I've gotten back into reading more. So that's been one mm-hmm. of the ways that I've kind of addressed it. But uh, the way in which I have tackled this specific problem is just tackling it head on. Very interesting. I like I, I, I guess I would probably um, adhere to that as well. Tackling it head on for me, just with my uh, rampant anxiety that I get <laughs> just like mm-hmm. many other human beings. I immediately, if something big is thrown my way or throws me off, I panic a little bit. But then 
once I kind of settle down and sort it out, take care of it, I realized that it was never as big of a, of an issue or an obstacle as it was. It, I don't think that made any sense. Um, no, no, it, it does. It's <laughs> you like, know, like, like you, you blow it out of proportion more than it. it, it oh yeah, is. exactly. Proportion, proportion is the perfect word for that. Nothing's as, as tedious or stressful as it seems, uh, at first glance. Um, but it's hard to look at it that way sometimes, but yeah, I think, yeah, no, I, I, um, cause I, I don't know if I've actually talked about this with a lot of guests, just pandemic specific workflows and, you know, how people are doing through that. I guess we kind of have, um, in past episodes, but yeah, I was just curious to know, cause that was another thing that I wanted to ask, um, another friend, I, you know, him complexion, um, yeah. because I know that like, you know, he can't spin physically at the the uh radio station that he's usually at so he pivoted right. to twitch too so i think it's interesting to learn how people are kind of pivoting i guess but um yeah yeah i think i think complexion transitioned over recently or is that very just recently the, 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 yeah. yeah the future beast show just hopped on to twitch um but i mean if, he seems like he's got the, the the hardware to do it it's just like the thing about djing and then i'll get off this um like obviously like it's a it's an engaging medium and engaging way to talk to people uh mm-hmm. through music um and it's a conversation usually just by the music itself you know you read the you read the crowd you play what they want but obviously twitch has this whole other system built in where like you know there's a reward system and people want to talk and engage and you have people who moderate your channel so that they can engage with you when the content creator is doing other stuff so it's interesting to see how djs have adapted like the twitch model uh, of like pure engagement um so i mean i'm curious to see how complexion moves that way too just because like at least the small circle of people that i've seen have like really jumped like have dove in and and really built these crazy crazy communities so yeah i forgot where i was going with that but yeah no i i would piggyback on that and say nights from radio is a big um Mm, shout out to is, is big on that too yeah shout out diamonder and nights from because they've been streaming on twitch for a while too so they almost kind of set a framework in some ways for some people to kind of like see what the right way of doing things was or figure out their own way of kind of attacking, uh, you know, live music on, on Twitch, which, which I think is really cool. So I'm going to say this again. I said it at the beginning, but you do a lot of things. And do you feel like you need to be doing a lot of different things to feel validated? Or are you also at the same time trying to find maybe one or two things that you can kind of carve your path with? Uh, it's, a, it's a combination of both. Um, you know, there are days where I, I look at myself and I'm like, damn, me doing all of these different things takes away from my ability to put like the 10,000 hours into one thing and be good at that one thing. There's another part of me that's like, well, if this one thing doesn't work out or I'm not good at it or I don't develop uh, a method that does work, is my like whole worldview or like I self sense of self going to crumble if that one thing doesn't work out? And I guess that's why it's like giving yourself a back door. I think I've given myself like four or five different back doors to say like, well, if this doesn't work, I got this. Well, if this doesn't work, I got this and et cetera and so forth. So I walk that line a lot where I'm like, damn, just shut up, do that one thing, do it over and over and over again because you love it and you want to do it. But then the other part of me is like, yo, that's cool. You can do that go do it. And then I do it. And then I'm like, wait, isn't this what I also like to do? Let me stop and do that. And then that cycle starts over and over. So I I think it's really smart that you have different backdoors, as you say, because I think a lot of people 
who are creative and generally younger are can be a bit short-sighted. And I, I would group part of myself into that sometimes. But I think it's smart to kind of have different avenues to potentially pursue. But as you were saying, sometimes, you know, you want to dedicate energy to one thing, which means you have to take energy energy away from another. How do you feel when you have to put something on hold either indefinitely or, or for uh, the foreseeable future, as they say? How do you feel about having to move on from from certain things? Hmm. Do you do you do you beat yourself up over it? Are you yeah. that kind of person? Yeah, yeah. Everything hurts, you know, like if you're forced to have to put something down uh, for for a little bit, that's it's no fun for a lack of a better term. I say that shit all the time too. Um, yeah, it hurts. You know, like I, uh, I guess like subconsciously I've kind of put a lot of my video stuff to the side to prioritize other things. And I think that's because I've created roadblocks in my head. Um, because like podcasting, for example, is something you can do by yourself. Um, and maybe, maybe this is a credit to my inability to like, want control of creative projects and i think that might be a thing for me I'm not 100 percent sure yet I, I i i think i'm a good collaborator i think i can work with people well i think i have a tendency to put myself ahead of things or put a little bit too much of myself when i should kind of read the room and see how everyone's feeling about things i think that happens to me in, in certain creative instances and so for something like film where you are extremely reliant on a bunch of other people, despite the, the, the idea that it might be your creative vision. You know, you still have got a cinematographer, you've got an assistant cinematographer, you've got assistant director, you've got people uh, and craft services who, who who are relying on you. You've got you've got your grips and your best boys and the whole nine yards, and everyone's got to be on the same page. And I think just jumping into the big league, so to speak, uh, has 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 scared me to be to be frank mm -hmm. and um and so i've i just haven't jumped into it and so maybe subconsciously i've just put it to bed saying like i'll get to it when i'm ready uh and maybe me me kind of reassuring myself that way is is to my detriment um so it hurts it hurts yeah when you when you have to put something to bed either either forcibly or unknowingly but uh, you know the the optimist in me says you'll get around to it whenever it's time. There's there's time for everything. So I see a lot on your social media destroy your image. Can you expand <laughs> on what that means? Because I think it plays into a lot of what we were just talking about. Um, <laughs> I ah <laughs> uh, I love the idea of it, and I have not been able to uh put a definition to it yet so here it i just go. sounds Enjoy. cool uh <laughs> i mean i think it's a response to a lot of things either uh, both external and internal um i guess it's like a destruction of the ego kind of thing where no no matter what you're doing uh whether you're at the bottom of your game or the top of your game you're you're always you're never gonna please everyone and i say that with an eye roll because of course you're never gonna please everyone but I, there's a strong possibility that you might disappoint people as well and those people might be close to you they might be far from you but i guess it's just like a, a big rejection of the idea that of of invincibility whether that be in youth whether that be in old age and in wisdom 
the idea is to not put anyone on a pedestal because in some way, shape or form, they're going to disappoint you. Um, and I don't mean to say that as a pessimist. I mean to say that if you create a perfect version of someone, it's kind of a fool's errand because people aren't perfect. Um, there are extremely good people and there are extremely bad people, but creating this perfect version of a person or an idol, like an idolized version of a person does not give you the flexibility to see them as a human. It only lets you see them in that one way that you want them or need them to be seen. So I guess destroy your image is, is like my soft take on cancel culture, but it's not meant to be that. I'm not out here saying like destroy your image is the way to <laughs> get it, get around cancel culture. Like, no, right. if I ever start saying that swing at me, I please. Um, yeah. But it is a way in which keeps you human and keeps you well-rounded Maybe, and I don't want it to be like, the yeah, like a shield against cancel culture. You know, if you do bad shit, you do bad shit. But good people are capable of doing bad things, you know. And so if we if we continue to put people uh, on this, this I guess the, 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 the go-to word here is like a celebrity status. If you give someone all of that power, uh, the minute they abuse it and abuse it in either the smallest of ways or the most egregious of ways, your idea of that person is going to, 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 to crumble and maybe an idea of yourself will crumble. So I guess it's like a way to keep myself in check. And maybe if I can say anything that like people should do, um, despite the fact that I don't think anybody should do anything that I say, cause I'm a doofus, <laughs> but um, it, it might be a way to like protect yourself against disappointment or be real with yourself. Um, and that's my TED talk. Thank you for coming. Good night. Uh, it was well worth the uh, fifteen dollars I spent on the ticket. <laughs> I don't know how much TED talks take. Do they even buy tickets, or do they just like, uh, like a crowdsourcing thing? I don't know. I'm gonna say that. Who knows? Um, no, I I like that a lot, and I think my interpretation that was being built as you were explaining it is kind of like almost destroy the image you have of other people. You know, uh, yeah, because yeah. You, you create images, as we were mentioning earlier, based off of the social media that we consume of these people. And that's not always the even if it is put forward as their truest self, it's still not exactly who the person is. It's it's through a medium. And, and it also reminds me of JPEG Mafia leading up to his uh, album release that came out months ago where he's like he's just waiting to disappoint people. I don't know. Do you follow him on Twitter? Did you catch any of that? I don't follow him on Twitter, but um, the title of the album really hits the needle on the head there. But uh, I did not, I hadn't followed him there. No. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it really plays into that, but it's like, it, it became almost a, a meme in and of itself of like, I'm going to disappoint you. Y'all are going to be disappointed. And I think it was <laughs> pretty poignant because at the time, you know, people saw him as, as he was, like the music that he made and All My Heroes Are Cornballs sounded a little bit different. It still was JPEG Mafia, but it was uh, right. it was different. And I think right. that's kind of what he meant. He was like, some of you guys are going to like not like my music anymore and therefore not like me, which is kind of a selfish thing I've talked about before, like where it's mm -hmm. like, who you know, you have a right to not enjoy someone's music or even furthermore content. But it's like, I mean, and you can get mad about it. You can react however you want. But at the end of the day, you can't get mad at the person. You know, because like if they're just making decisions and they're making things that they want to make, like what's wrong with that? You know, yeah. yeah, it's a tough it's a tough like dichotomy, like or the, the, the tough question, like, can you separate the artist from the, the, the work? 
True. Yeah. Yeah. That's a much deeper conversation. Yeah. I like Peggy because he just also seems like very aware. I guess he's very aware of what he's doing. You know, like Mm -hmm. he he knows the medium he's working in. So he's very aware of how he goes about navigating it. So I I, I see you're a big fan of Peggy and I fuck with that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's he's also very aware of who he is, you know, producing content for. Mm-hmm. That sounded so like JPEG Mafia produces content. <laughs> <laughs> He's very aware of his audience. Like he, yeah. that that's I think that just goes into why he was saying like y- y'all are some of y'all are going to be disappointed. You know, uh, it's just a part of his evolution that people might not vibe with. But um, yeah, that's kind of what I got from the whole destroyer image thing. I, I fuck with that a lot. So uh, thank you. Yeah, I dig that a lot. Do you think it's important for? people like yourself who kind of, you know, you, you have your own personal brand. Um, obviously you do a lot of different things that have different names on it or labeled, but you are Andre Dowdy. Is it important to have a identity like that is visible to the audience or a personal brand as they say? Cause you know how people are always trying to, I'm trying to develop and work on my brand, you know, mm-hmm. I, is that mm-hmm. important or is that kind of blown out of proportion a bit? I mean, it's a great question. Cause um and one got in one (laughs) yeah basically (laughs) you got me exposed um in in one in one breath i'll say like yeah it's important to have a brand because the way in which we the way in which we talk to each other the way in which we see each other is is and i'm i'm gonna say this word and i don't mean it in the pejorative sense it's pretty artificial you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you present what you want to present when it's desirable to present it. So, you know, if I'm going to build my brand as like this, this person who travels a lot, obviously I'm going to post all the pictures that show me traveling and in this specific light. And of course, you know, when people come to me for things, I'll be that travel person. And that's what I want. That's what I'm going to develop. So that's what I'm going to do. So in that regard, it's good to to develop your brand because if that's what you want to do in life, you're you're working toward it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then there's the other side where you walk that line, you know, between a public and a private individual. Um, I'm someone who likes their privacy, but not to the point where where like I feel like I have to hide myself from the work that I do because they're ultimately not two different things. Like I'm not someone who has like a crazy creative vision that is so different from Andre Dowdy because at the end of the day, all of it is just me in some shape or form. And some of them might be radically different than the version or like the, the general, like the base form of who I am. But most of my work that has, has come out uh, of, of me at the moment, what a terrible way to phrase that. But most of the work <laughs> that I've created uh, at this point in my life just comes from like a, here's, it's just like here's another part of me take it or leave it i guess so yeah. it i i don't think i answer the the question properly but or or in a satisfying way but like for me personally and i i i have to like emphasize that wholeheartedly for me personally making that divide between that 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 public and private i i like to blur that line a little bit just because uh the work is not radically different from who i am yeah, I mean, you're just trying to put your most pure self forward and hopefully people from a monetary standpoint, at least like buy into it. So that way you can 
pursue the dreams that you want to because we all know it takes it takes a little bit of attention and money and all those other things to be able to pursue those things maybe that's just me uh, no pr- projecting no. but uh, no I, I i agree with you and and then, and then i guess for me to like summarize i feel like a lot of the work that i do is just like efforts to validate my own existence so hmm. uh, i guess like putting this i'm not gonna say smoke screen putting putting a uh, like a different moniker on it doesn't serve me any purpose at this moment in my life. I've had conversations with myself where I'm like, if I do this one thing, I'm going to be under a different alias because like I want it to be its own specific project that has its own identity. That's not Andre Dowdy, but um, I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I find myself in a similar boat with that, with just the whole blending personal and private or well personal and private are the same thing but you know what i mean private Mm -hmm. and public is what you were saying um yeah just trying to find that blend and is it super important to be this this omniscient for me specifically i mean yeah i mean i i'll post artwork on my instagram feed and then i'll be like here i am at the park with my dog on my (laughs) instagram story and then that's where they kind of cross over and i sort of wonder if that's i don't even know what i'm doing do we don't we all not know what we're doing uh ultimately <laughs> don't yeah. trying to figure it yeah. out <laughs> yeah it's yeah yeah I, I don't want to talk anymore about myself i already feel like i talk about myself too much on this podcast so i'd like to move on to another question and this is more related to you as an adjunct professor because i think that's really uh interesting i had i thought i had a better word to say but i really do think it's interesting um, um yeah it's so i like I, fe- I fell into the job not afraid to say that mm-hmm. like opportunity arose someone stepped out they needed someone to step in i stepped in it's weird for me um a because i still think there's a lot for me to learn for me to be in a position to teach people how to do things mm-hmm. it's weird for me because it's a creative field so to speak i mean there are some technicalities which i i know i know some of i there's still a lot of technicalities that i need to learn and so, again, for me to be in a position to teach those technicalities seems weird when I'm still in the process of learning. And of course, a good educator will tell you that they're always learning, which is true because uh, kids live with kids, kids. I don't mean to say kids because these students are literally my age, but <laughs> people grow up generations, younger generations will grow up with certain technologies that an older generation does not have exposure to and doesn't make its way into an academic space until you know it shows up in one way shape or form so um it's weird for me because you know there are still the technicalities that i still need to learn to be able to teach in a creative field um it's also weird for me because like how am i supposed to objectively criticize someone's ability to create something that's supposed to be subjective so that's also weird so like i i I think that my students appreciate and respect me to a degree um because i'm capable of doing what it is i'm teaching and 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 do so in a particularly effective manner but and i think i have like a strong sense of taste and i think that itself garnered some form of respect mm-hmm. but uh it's still it's still a weird process but it's it's cool you know like I've come into a couple of conversations where people will rail against the will rail against educational institutions. And for various reasons, I agree with them. And now I'm going to get into this a little bit, you know, as a person of color, like 
getting a degree means a lot more than than uh, a, a non-person of color um, for the for the average Caucasian male or female. A degree holds a lot more weight for us because it's another hurdle that we have overcome to show the quote-unquote majority that we are worth the metal, we're worth the time, we are capable of doing it, whatever it is we're we're asked of. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those who see education as more of a business, as more of a waste of time, you know, a waste of energy, I hear you on that because sometimes in these creative fields, it's not what you know it's who you know and i again i roll my eyes saying that too but it's true to a degree you know if you and like so for freelance work for example if you build enough credibility to your name to your brand people will rally for you just based off of the strength of the work that you've done so if you put the time in to do more work you will see more work so you know is it worth you spending four years in a position where you're not working to then try and and go out into the workforce and act like you deserve a job because you have a piece of paper that says that you're worth the four years? I don't know. Um, College is not merely uh, an educational space. College is also a social space. And I tell that to people too. I like college or I like the idea of a school structure because A, it is structure, you know, in learning something, there's many ways to learn one specific thing. I like the idea of a curriculum. You know, I like building a foundation on one point and then working on it over time. So that's why I like that space. And I respect that space. On the other side, it's a social experiment because for for, for filmmakers, like people will see either say film school's a waste of time, film school's worth the time. For the people that say film school is a waste of time, see my previous point, you know, go out and do the work, get your work, be successful. On the other side, you run into people who are like-minded, who have the same goals and desires as you and want to work to get to that space. So, you know, for, so an example I brought up recently to a couple of my friends who were having this conversation was Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler, I, I, I believe met Ludwig um, and I can't remember his last name, Gorenson or whatever the hell his last name is. They met in school mm-hmm. and then they worked together and then they built that working relationship into something that eventually formed into their working relationship on Black Panther, you know? So the people that you meet in these in these institutions can put you in a position of success because you build a rapport, you figure out how to work with that specific person or you figure out how to work with people, you know? College is deciding whether, and I, I guess I, I took this and ran with it, so I apologize. It's all good. But, it's all good. But, but um, to summarize, being an adjunct is weird because of my proximity, because of my, my capability of learning more. I'm still in a position where I still need to learn a lot more to be able to be in a position of authority to teach people what to do with their lives for the rest of their lives. Um, and then college is weird because it's, it's, you use college as a way to like assess the social landscape if people are telling you that you need to go to school despite what you're seeing, there's a dissonance there and you've got to assess the dissonance and figure out what in that system that people are telling you is worth it and what is worth going out into the world and doing uh, and ignoring that system that people are, are 
are suggesting you go into. And then like, you know, college as a financial institution, blah, blah, blah. And all the other, like, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? All the other, uh, fuck, all the other bad shit that, that colleges do with your money that's not going directly to your tuition. Blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. School is an institution, blah, blah, blah. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like that. I feel like... um. You don't even need me. I didn't even have to ask you any questions about adjunct <laughs> teaching. No, I, I, I was uh, enthralled by that because I share a lot of the, I, I probably won't even expand much on that because I, I think I share um, a very similar view on that, on school to school or not to school. Maybe that could be a, like mm. a one-off episode because I think it's a really interesting yeah. uh, topic of discourse um, amongst people. Hassan Minaj did an episode on it for Patriot Act and it's a good like it's a good way to look into it. I mean, he also like follows the money a little bit too, so mm. obviously that'll kind of sway your, your your decision on that, but um he, he he brings up some good points and literally asks like is col- is it worth to go to college? Um and it's a t- it's a tough call for sure. So, I, and I think like a lot of the people that you've you've probably come in contact with have either gone the school route or haven't gone the school route cuz because the creative space is such a subjective one, it, it leaves people with a sour taste in their mouth too. If they go to an art school and have people with their noses up telling you that this is right and this is wrong, where you go out into the real world and you say like, well, people are buying Yeezys off the street, dude. Like you can't tell me shit. Even like in yeah. the case of Bad, Bad, Not Good, like Bad, Bad, Not Good is an extremely successful jazz group. And they got kicked out of school for trying to do covers of Odd Future songs or whatever it was they were trying to do. They got kicked so, out for that? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. One way, shape, or form, they like, one of their professors was like, God, this is bullshit. You guys aren't doing the real shit. And they're like, well, this is the real shit and we're going to do it. And yeah. then they proceeded to have a, a beautiful career. So, yeah, I appreciate you sharing all of that information and, and wisdom and perspective on that. Yeah. So it's, it's a it's unique a, one because I, I don't thanks. know any professors on a level that i know you mm. so that's yeah, dope. that's weird but we'll move on from school because it's summertime and school's out unless you're in summer school, school. Fall to summer. but no one's going anywhere because coronavirus <laughs> right <laughs> right so i just had i have one more question to ask you before we move on to part two and this is partially for my personal gain which sounds bad when i no, say that but partially for my personal game but also i think it will be useful to hear from you um on this topic and as we all know in the last month the black lives matter movement has been uh i guess rampant i i feel like i'm choosing all of the wrong words to, to say right now <laughs> you um, are canceled dog it's over <laughs> it's been it's it's very prevalent um for for obvious reasons that we all know by now and what I wanted to ask you is that, you know, we're both in a very similar creative sphere. We, we both, I hate to say work in music for me personally, because I don't feel like I, I offer something more than just being a consumer of music, but I, I don't want to, like you were saying earlier, put myself on any sort of pedestal or, or call myself mm-hmm. a tastemaker by any means. I just have a platform that I'm privileged enough to use. And I have been thinking over the last couple of weeks, how I can, use my voice as a consumer of music and also someone who quite literally has a voice on a podcast and has a platform to support the black community and black artists. Because as we all know, so many music genres, um, you know, so many of them are created by black artists. They came from the black community and black culture. So what I want to know is how can someone like me 
or even further than that, just a, a lover of music, how can I support the black community and, and black culture? To compliment you, I think you're already doing it. Um, but for, for people who might need uh, like a blueprint or an idea of how to start, I, I don't, okay. So first and foremost, be genuine. You know, there was a recent situation in which someone wanted to show support and did it in a very tasteless way to not only ride the wave of activism or pseudo activism or whatever it is, but to also kind of give themselves more credit than they were due. So if you're going to use your platform at all, just have like be honest and have honest conversations, you know, and if that is, you know, going back to destroy your image, if that is in fact admitting that you don't know where to start, then sure. Or admitting that you didn't know something beforehand, then sure. You know, um, people, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to speak on behalf of everyone. I don't want to be like, I don't want to speak on behalf of all black people, of course, but I think people want to see that you can admit that you're wrong. And, and if, you know, if you are indeed wrong, then being upfront with it and then trying to do your best to open up a dialogue in which you can be honest and contribute and help out in whatever way, shape or form. Um, and you know, maybe that's as simple as starting out and making a playlist and be like, yo, here's all the black artists that I know, or here's some black artists you should listen to peep that cool. It starts at the ball. You know, it's not the end all be all. There may not be an end all be all, you know, like all every small contribution you make toward raising awareness that, uh, you know, a lot of these music genres do come from black spaces, uh, then great. And I, I, I guess just like having these conversations and figuring out what's the most honest way and the most real way to do it, you know, mm-hmm. I guess like that's the start, I guess. I mean, and it's something that I have to do too. Like I, like I have been, I've been very quiet recently like i've i've said you know my piece once or twice about how i feel and obviously how i feel is that like shit's fucked up and we got to do better but you know i'm still figuring out what's the like the most honest way for me uh what's the most honest way for no doubt radio and and doing something is first and foremost the first step you know you got to do something of course but what makes sense a to the brand because i have you have to be honest and acknowledge that you are a specific lens and you do a specific thing um that it, that reflects what it is you are and then be what's the most productive thing whether it's holding functions for people to to play and getting people the opportunity in the space to be in front of more eyes and, and show the world that yes this is not a, a predominantly like white space this is a black space if it's a matter of holding conversations or hold, holding like town halls for example quote unquote and that's not the right phrase but like holding spaces where people can actually speak and talk and spread information um you know there is no textbook way to do this and i guess that's what social media will and i hate using social media in that way just calling it social media is aggravating in its own sense but it, it is what it is if if social media suggests that like donating your money and spreading information is the way to go start there and then figure out what the next thing is to do have those conversations and then move from there i guess i guess i appreciate the enlightenment and the just the the recognition because i think it, it just gave me a better view on how to to do certain things moving forward and just to be genuine again like you said just to be to be genuine i think is the most important thing and in this specific case 
being genuine in, in that it's not about you because the, the word that's been, that's floated around the last month is performative. Um, cause a lot of people, it seems like it's hard to tell sometimes if people are being performative in their support. And I, I question that. That's one of the things that I ask myself is, is, can this come across as performative and to, to what extent, um, you know, people can have their opinions and their views again, social media allows for that what's important is to ask yourself that question rather than just, or, or ask other people like, like I asked you and, and others just to kind of, you know, I, I, would you agree? It's, it's, it's the way to go to just ask before you do something. If you're, I don't know, have any doubts. I mean, it's the, it's a way to start, you know, it's a way to avoid, I, this is not law in any way, shape or form. At least if someone were to do this to me, if someone were to at least ask and now of course there's that subtext of like asking for permission from a person of color to do something in support of them Mm -hmm. you know and that has its own kind of color to it but at least at least showing that you care or showing that you might make a mistake or aren't sure that you are making a mistake is an acknowledgement that in in the social space that we exist in a lot almost all of it is performative you know, and then we talked about the layers of, of of genuineness that exist on this kind of performative platform. But showing your support is a kind of performance in its own way, you know? So, like, there will be days, at least for me, and now I guess this is talking about me personally, there are days where I go on social media and I share the shit out of every piece of information that I get that's in regards to... You know, defunding the police, raising the awareness of all the people that have been killed, et cetera, and so forth. And there are some days where I just don't do it at all. I see it, and like I see it, I see you, but I don't need to pretend that I'm getting every piece of information, reading it down to the the nickel and dime, and then sharing it like I'm some sort of guru on the subject. There's still so much shit I have to learn. And now I don't want to sound like I'm apologizing for people who don't know everything. I'm just talking about myself. So mm-hmm. at least at least being willing to to ask the question, to have the conversation. In asking a question, you're you're inviting a conversation. So you're at least willing to do that and people at least as far as I would assume will give you the time of day at least to to hear you out and then steer you in the right direction. Word. Yeah, no, a lot, it's a lot to digest. And, um, but I'm, I'm glad that I have this platform to be able to talk to you about this stuff. And I'm, I'm very appreciative that you're sharing so much, even more so than just this conversation, just in part one in general, this is the longest part one I've ever done. Uh, but it, that's not in any way a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. Dude takes platform to talk about himself for now. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> But um, but we will end off part one there. If that's cool with you, we can come back in part two. It might be a, a slightly uh, condensed part two, but we, we, we're still going to get to it. We're still going to get to it. Yeah. So we'll yeah. catch you all on the other side. Welcome back to the Show and Tell podcast. This is part two of the show, which is Show and Tell and a little bit more. Still haven't thought of a official name for that. Just, you know, I just go with the flow. Just go with the flow. Um, But this is part two. As I said, this is where I ask the guest to bring in an item of significance, something that tells us, the listeners, 
a little bit more about them. They share what it means to them, why you might like it too in some cases. So let's jump right into it. Andre, what have you brought to the invisible show and tell table? Um, okay. I had a very hard time finding one item and maybe that's telling enough in and of itself. Um, but here, I, there's a couple of things that all kind of like exist in the same kind of sphere. So the first thing that I bought, uh, brought rather, um, uh, it is something I bought, but it's a book called black cool 1000 streams of blackness by Rebecca Walker. Um, it is, I guess to casually identify it as a book of essays, all speaking on the various, which ways in, in, in which black people form an identity of themselves and form what is quote unquote cool about their blackness. Um, it's cool because it's, I I mean, I guess, you know, growing up where I've grown up and that is in the suburbia of long Island, uh, you know, identity has always been a fun thing for me Mm -hmm. to use fun in a cavalier way. But, uh, in the process of figuring out, my identity and it's something that I'm still working to to this day especially in regards to like my blackness Um, this has been a a big help for me and it's something that has kept me level headed it's something that's kept me calm and reminded me that you know uh, at least American blackness is not a monolith it is not a single identity it can be varied and it has the luxury to be varied and and, and different. Um, So, yeah. That's dope. Did you grow up in like a predominantly, you know, you say suburbia. My immediate thought is like, is it, was it like a rich white neighborhood? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had the luxury of living in a predominantly well-off part of, not well-off to like where it's the Ritz Carlton, Mm -hmm. you know, but lived in the comfort of like middle class suburbia in proximity to upper middle class suburbia which has been a predominantly white space so you know i think growing up there are versions of myself that i formed you know like the stereotypical ones of 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 tokenism and things of that nature mm-hmm. uh i've been pretty used to and i guess comfortable with being uh, a black spot on a white page so to speak so and I guess that was a version of myself that I carried for a very long time and probably part of me still does. And so, you know, but but even in that, and forgive me for saying this, but it's funny to have this conversation with you. But, you know, it's good to have the conversation in general. You're, I guess my sense of self has always been, has been formed against a, a, a white reference board, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, even in, in what I was talking about earlier about like social mobility and going to college, my idea of what mobility was is formed by this version of suburbia, you know, or, you know, moving up and getting a quote unquote good job and, and buying a house and, uh, you know, I guess living the nuclear family life is defined by this version of suburbia. And I guess America, you know, in the late nineties or whatever, late nineties transitioning into the two thousands, you know, is defined by this. And, uh, so, so yeah, you know, like it was, it was a space in which I, like, I felt I needed to defend my own blackness, but explore exactly what it is and how it can be, 
you know, extraordinary in the various which ways that it is. Mm. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, and it's not, it's not, it's not defined by, you know, portrayals on television, despite the fact that the portrayals on television are accurate to a degree, especially coming from black creators. Like those uh, portrayals of black life are indeed black life. And then the ones that aren't by the ones that are created by people who aren't of color are indeed just ideas of what they are. Um, so, you know, the ones that we have seen that are of, of genuine intent are, are, are in fact real, but they are not the only ones that we do see. So, you know, having that idea of, of being textured and layered and, 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 and of, of various different shades to, to hit the nail very much on the nose. We live various different kinds of lives. Uh, and, and so to tail that onto the idea that I couldn't make up in my mind about what I wanted to present, <clears throat> I have this book. And then I'm, I was also going to suggest a movie, um, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Uh, it's a movie that came out, I think, last year. Oh, okay. And it's, it's so uh, added, you know, from a quick synopsis, it's about, you know, it's kind of this love story between this one kid in a house it's a house that he grew up in and it's a house that his that's been in his family for a long time um in a shape-shifting neighborhood you know and so it's it's the kind of a story that that has these cinematic and i guess that word is colored in its own way not colored in regards to race but colored in what it can mean i don't mean to say cinematic to to mean you know, better than your average movie or whatever, but right. it kind of has this, this, it doesn't kind of, it has this, um, creative subjectivity that would easily be, uh, afforded in a white film. We'll say for a, just to call it what it is. I was going to say it's fade is fade, but that is colored <laughs> language. <laughs> um, but it's, it's the kind of, of, uh, so, so like so subjective romanticism that you would find in a easily in a, a film created and produced by white people and whatnot, but uh, it 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 is one of those stories in which it gives I don't know another version of of black life and, and expression that's not just the ones that we quote unquote see all the time, so. Uh, those are the two things really that I that I wanted to bring to the table today. That's what's up. Yeah, I wrote down the title of the movie because I'm I'm very interested in in seeing it. Not only because I'm also you know someone who works in videography and I just like seeing how different movies are made, but because of the subject matter, I think I could take a lot from it, and others should too. You should go check it out. What was it? Is it labeled under like indie film? Because I I hadn't heard of it. Yeah, before you brought it up. It's a it's more of an independent route. It um. Uh, think came through the ranks uh and sundance i think it premiered in sundance and won a jury award um and a award for best directing i think it was out of fuck i can't remember but yeah it it was something you would classify under like an independent film Mm -hmm. yeah dope yeah i i will I will link that movie in some form or another in the show notes, as well as the book. I don't know if it's available as an ebook. Is it or, um, or Kindle? You say you, I remember you mentioned you read a lot via Kindle, right? Um, I actually just started to, and for the book club that I'm in, we I I had to just buy 
the Kindle version. So I apologize. I'm not trying to boost the Amazon Lords, but um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I just read it. I just bought it there. But um, I, I can actually check. I'll check. Yeah, we'll we'll get that sorted out. Yeah, or it was, yeah. It was more of the administrative part uh, of me that yeah. was mentioning that. But yeah, we'll we'll get that sorted. So so if you're interested in checking those out, one you can Google it. That's that's one way. Uh, or you can go to soundcloud.com slash let's show and tell. And we'll, uh, I'll, I'll mention that link again. And if you're a new listener and haven't heard it before, if you're an old listener, you've heard me say it so many times and half the time I say it wrong. Uh, but I, I think I just said it right. So, so yeah, th- there's a small victory. <laughs> Get your money, dog. Get your money. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, those are, those, are, those are good items. Before we end off the show, this is the last part where I ask the guest in this situation, Andre Dowdy. Something that they did not learn in school, which is very funny because we've 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 been talking a lot about school. And you can take this however you want. You could share a piece of life advice that you've picked up or a piece of wisdom. Um, or you can just share something completely random, something that has helped you, like a life hack in the traditional sense, the, thing, the things that you'd see on like BuzzFeed, some sort of life hack or, or maybe um, or just whatever you want. What's something that you kind of have just picked up in your various walks of life that you didn't learn in the traditional sense in a classroom? Man, I saw that you posed this question and I've been doing my best to think about what I could possibly say because for me to tell anybody anything it just seems silly sometimes. Um, maybe. Yeah, but they can, they, maybe, they can do with that information what they want. What they will. Yeah. And I guess maybe, just maybe, it might be destroy your image. Mm. <laughs> um, and you know what? It, it's just like an awareness. So here's actually, here's what I will say. Because I see this a lot in school and it... uh has a nefarious way of seeping into everyday life. Anecdotal experience is not evidence. And that's not, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's advice. I don't know if it's, it's something to, to learn you on, but like a lot of people, and especially when it comes into conversations about race, when it comes into conversation about people you've never been in contact with or don't know that well, anecdotal experience is not evidence and so because you've had a certain experience doesn't make it law your experience is still valid you know and that's not something and i guess i don't know if it's just the school system's point to prove that point right but there's always space to learn and you've got to be open to learning and i don't mean open to learning in that like you're willing to try a new skill or see something through, but you can't take things on face value. So even in a school system, a lot of us are now coming to the conclusion that a lot of the stuff we've read in our history books aren't necessarily fact, or not necessarily fact, but they're colored dramatically by what the goal is. You know, having one version of America exist that isn't honest to what the quote unquote founding fathers wanted, you know? Right. So, so like do your due diligence and use the internet to explore what's real. And now part of me in saying that feels like I have just given the conspiracy theorists freedom to go on the internet and do what they want and and find evidence that is subjective enough to fuel what they believe in. And I don't know I don't know where I'm getting at here. Like just I guess like take your time to learn. Especially in this climate, people are going to want you to 
learn and learn fast because you do have the internet. You have the opportunity to learn. And especially because people are home now, people are expecting people to just get on the internet and learn the shit out of everything, you know? Mm. But learning is a process that happens over time. And for someone like someone like me, like I know my American history, but I'm it's it's not strong. So what I'm doing now, I'm kind of trying to take the time to just relearn all of my American history so I can understand the context in which the things that are happening now came to be, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not, and like, I guess every American should do that. Like, go back and look at what really happened, I guess. I, there's a better way to say that, but like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, maybe like it's part of the process of just like pulling the curtain back. And being honest with yourself saying like, wow, there's more here than what I thought or, or taking what we did know and, and giving ourselves the due diligence to like find out more. And maybe that, that you can apply that to any creative thing you do. Like if you know how to edit, there's probably 70,000 other ways in which you can edit effectively. And there are 70,000 people on the internet who have also given that information out and have provided the resources for you. So you owe it to yourself before anything to just see those things, see those things out rather than just say like, this is law because I know it, mm-hmm. you know? And that's something that I struggle with and I have to work on too. It's just like, but I know this to be real, but do you, you know? Right. So, and, and, and that's, a, I feel like that is a dangerous line to walk because you, you like, it gives people the ability to be like, well, did I read this here? And it said this, and they're just like, oh, that's not the point. So, yeah, I think you know. I think I, th- I think you get where I'm trying to go with it, and, and 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 I guess circling back this idea of being genuine, being honest, like be honest with yourself and be honest with your learning. You know, if it's hard, it's meant to be hard. If it's easy, maybe there's more to do. And I'm not saying learning is can't be easy. It can be, but maybe the the thing that you learned in that short bit of time, maybe there's more to it. So. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. No, you know? no, no, just, no. I, I, I'm, I'm just absorbing all of that. No, for sure. I, I the, the, this, I don't mean this quite literally, but it's almost like, don't just read the headline, you know? If, and again, I'll say, I don't mean that quite literally. I kind of mean that more as like a metaphor, but I, yeah, if I were to mean it more literally, there are times when I just read a headline and I'm immediately passing along that information to someone else. And then, oh shit, I actually didn't read like the article itself. And like you said, pull right. back that curtain. Right. So yeah, yeah, it's important to, to make sure you have all of the information and you know, the, like you were saying with the anecdotal evidence, it, it's not gospel, but it can definitely right. help either further secure your view or fuck it up a little bit. Maybe, maybe challenge what you already, your preconceived notions as they say. Yep. Yeah. Andre Dowdy dropping knowledge. He's been dropping knowledge throughout the whole episode, if I do say I so myself. So. so I guess so. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining. We'll we'll end it up. We'll end it off there. Man, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. So where can people find you and uh what you're doing on Twitch and other mediums? Alright. So if you're looking to find me on Instagram, I am uh no doubt that is N-O-D-O-U-G-H-T. On Twitter, I am never a doubt that is N-E-V-E-R-A-D-O-U-G-H-T. Um I'm also on Twitch as never a doubt. That is N-E-V-E-R-A-D-O-U-G-H-T. 
you can follow No Doubt Radio uh, at No Doubt Radio. That's N-O-D-O-U-G-H-T Radio. Uh, that's both on Twitter and Instagram. We've been a little quiet, um, and we'll get back to putting things in motion soon enough. Um, I've also got two other podcast projects that I, I have not gotten to, but will be rebooting shortly. Um, that is the A&M Podcast. That is myself and um, hot coco or coco sensei depending on the platform you find him uh that's t-h-e-a-a-n-d-m podcast and i also have generally specific with myself and anthony cosme that is uh generally specific on our most platforms yeah dope yeah i was gonna ask you if that was gonna uh reboot at any point soon because i was enjoying listening to it before the yeah. hiatus yeah generally specific we'll, we'll be back dope cool cool and i again as i mentioned before will include these links at soundcloud.com slash let's show and tell so you can dive into all of what andre is doing from me we have spotify playlists you can find those at the link in our social media bios you can also find a new discord server which i just set up it's a nice little place for everyone and anyone it's it's open to, to anyone and everyone to chat about music and art and all that other good shit so come by say hi share some stuff andre's in that server you also have your own discord too uh, I don't know. Yeah, if it's I do. If you want to public, but if you want to hang out, it, yeah. It, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. If you want to get in touch with Andre, you can hit him up on Discord too. If you're into that, uh, what else I got? Five star rating on Apple Podcasts. It just feels like a just a thing I have hey, to say now. I don't know. Big flex, baby. Come on. Yeah, hit that like button. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I'm literally. I'm so bad at this, dude. I um, this time I actually wrote down a list of things I wanted to say, and I'm still not doing it well. Hey, so um, shab, but at this point, shab. I don't care. I'm not gonna edit this out. So yeah. Um, so thank you, thank you, Andre, for joining the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you like the show, like I said, give it a rating, a review, or share it with a friend, like you would share anything with a friend, because sharing is caring. Peace. <laughs>